And welcome to Gleaming the Geek, the initials game edition. I think that's what we're going to be talking about. I'm John Bonus of TrinsDaily.com. With me, Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic. But more importantly. But more importantly. Also with us, Marnie Gellner. Who. Oh, hey, guys. Who had a front row seat, kind of. She yeah. was in the control back room, room essentially. Uh, yeah. Front row of the back room. <laughs> that's right. Thanks for having me. Um, before we get into this, what was this countdown you just actually was a count up? This is from a technical <laughs> standpoint. What in the world was This happening? little setup that you're witnessing here at this table at KFAN. It has its limitations. And that limitation, what well, its limitation is that it provides some background noise. And you can take background noise out of audio. But do you have to have like a decent size clip of that background okay. noise to Match be able to take it, it out? So when so. I yelled check check and you got to <laughs> yeah, nine, ruin my, the entire yeah. I'm my leaving, whole I'm leaving the was, check check in there. By uh, the way, that's absolutely going to be yeah, Marnie. My whole theory was we waited till you got to nine so we could start this stupid podcast. Yeah. and then I ruined your take. But no, you went with it. That's exactly. Yeah, John yeah. does like a. I don't know why he has to physically count it down with his hands. Because all he's doing is waiting ten seconds. But the fact that he, uh, like, a, almost like a child, puts both <laughs> hands up in the air, and he does this even when it's just me and him, and he count. He does one, two finger, three finger. Yeah. So yeah, you. I'll tell you why. <laughs> saw that as absurd, which I also Correct. see it as. Absurd. You're you're right about the child aspect, but that's because uh, it not. Uncommon for you to st- go. <clears throat> we're in the middle of. Who, my Sid Hartman now. Yeah. <laughs> you will. You will make some noise during it, and I figure if I put my hands up, that will be a clue to actually step my away fault. from the mic. <laughs> uh, we've just come from the studio. Yeah, we are literally away. in the KFAN uh, yeah. building. Still. I said, John, do you want to go record this at your house? And he said, Listen, we got the emotions going right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. Like this yeah. is like, like we're walking off the field at the Super Bowl, and they exactly just came right, right up. Yeah, to there's right. no cooling off period we, here uh, for this show. We just participated in the first round of the initials tournament. Yes, where it was me, it was John, it was Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. Right. It was Tommy Olson, a former Gopher, and it was Elizabeth Reese. Uh, Twin Cities Live television personality uh, from Twin Cities Live and my only goal really was to (laughs) not lose to John (laughs) I I didn't score a point Uh, like I just didn't want to get shut out you even said to me if I only get one but John gets zero I'll take that like that (laughs) was way more important to you than winning because then I don't have to play again this year which is okay I'll always take that (laughs) I can stay on my couch and then I can just make fun of John endlessly instead What happened was Ugh. it was a very back and forth game, uh, going into the final, going uh, to the final two questions. It was, it was two, 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 and one, and Elizabeth had right. one. Yeah. So yeah, four right. of us had two each. Then Tom Palacero got a third point on the eleventh of twelve questions. Right. So anybody else would need to answer the twelfth one right to just tie him, force a tiebreaker. Right. And we got to the final clue, uh, which is mm-hmm. basically when Corey just says. Here's the answer. Someone buzzed it, essentially. Uh, And even at that point, I knew it, but I was way too slow. And John goes to buzz in by saying his name, because that's how you buzz in. And Tom Pelissero basically simultaneously buzzed in to the point that, and it was, what was it, Laundry Basket? Laundry Basket. Mm -hmm. LB were the initials. Yeah, LB were the initials. Laundry Basket. And it was so close that they, Zach Halverson, producer Zach Halverson, 
went and like slowed down the audio. Well, the pro- the problem is is that Corey immediately made the judgment call. No, no, it's Tom because he was right. in the same. So even if they would have tried to reverse it, there's no way to reverse it because they don't know that I knew Laundry Basket. I didn't say Laundry Basket at well, the same true. time. Right. right? They would have had to take it away yeah, from yeah, Tom right. they would and have... just give a go go to the next item. I, yeah, because yes. if they just cancel that one, he wins anyway. Because you had to get it. But right there is to no tie. next item. It was the twelfth one. Like well, you could go he's to got the tiebreaker. Tiebreakers. But, but wait, that would that would not deals? have given you no the you tie. Tied. So yeah, if you just cancel it, it wouldn't yeah. have been a tie. Yeah, right. Right. That's you would right. Have to get another. Uh, well, to get I was in that back room with the front seat, um, and Zach was playing it back immediately for Mitsas and I and Naima, who was on Cities ninety seven, because we were in there watching the the game, and it was. So close, but Corey's right about having a hard consonant. Yes, consonant t- t- for Tom. And you were you saying John? I or said bonus. bonus. You should yeah. have said John. I probably. I, I, that's why. I, yeah, I said that afterwards. Or honestly, you should have been louder because I think you were like John. There's well, a first. I mean, and here's the problem. So whenever I said that, I also, did, I also so didn't loud. have a mic right in front of me. Like I was right. leaning so, over. Okay, hockey. that yes, I'm glad. But this you brought is his that own up. doing. So hockey. There's so, there's a thousand people. First of all, there's five people playing, and as Marty just <laughs> described, in the side studio, there's a thousand people watching. There's right. also just I don't want to be like random yes. like listeners yeah. mm-hmm. who have been invited into watching the main studio. Yeah. So there were probably fifteen people here, right? And and so there's limited mics and seats. <laughs> right. But Hockey, who sits in the producer chair, right. uh, said as soon as this starts, I'll get up, and John, you can sit in my chair, so you have that mic right in front. And John said, right. which he will now regret for the rest of his life. I like to stand up. Yeah, because I thought he would move the chair to the left and I would stand in the corner where he was. Instead, he moved the chair to the right. Oh. So now I'm leaning over him right. to get so to the So John mic. not only had to uh, use his uh, beer-addled brain to get the correct answer, <laughs> he then had to lean into the microphone. I don't know why I'm defending. Why yeah, am I defending you him? Did you, also, did you also notice that a couple different times I had to uh, yeah, reattach re- re- my head- headphones? Yeah. The cord fell out of my headphones. It's a tough so life for you, John. Clues. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You you probably should have brought that up during uh, oh, yeah. the game. I did not. But notice here's that. here's how different John is from me, and I would say from the average person who's playing the initials game. Uh, in the <laughs> moment before they even Zach even replayed it, yeah, John was like, because hockey's like, I don't know, I think well, he'd, John, already, he'd, he'd already he awarded it, it to himself. Tom, and John immediately goes, no, 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 just give it to John, uh, give it to Tom. I don't know, blah, blah. <laughs> but you said I, I think I was first, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, that's like John bonus. I actually had no idea if I was first. The, yeah. the uh, Hawk saw my reaction to it and said, Bonus thinks he was first. But that wasn't what my reaction. My, my reaction was, am I really going to get lose two on last second misses? No. Like the one where you said it earlier. You said Gleeman just as I was about to yeah. say. Yeah. Or as right. I was saying, Bonus. Thank God right? I did that. Yeah. Uh, that cost me one. And then this one, which is even closer or maybe simultaneously, whatever, cost me the second If one, so. it were me in your shoes, we would still be on the air. PA wouldn't have been able to start a show. We'd be doing Zabruder-like breakdowns of this audio clip where it would be like, I'd be filing lawsuits. I would be, yeah. But John is John. So John doesn't really, John's just in it for the experience. And you know what? He's happy for Tom, that Tom won and all this other BS. Well, from a listenership and viewership, if you were watching, Aspect, it was a tremendous game. Yes. They're not all that even and have that right. kind of drama right. heading into the final couple of clues. So congratulations on being a part of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, when you bring in the big guns, well, that's right, like, yeah. a, that's like a John right. Boyce and Aaron right. Gleeman. Yeah, know. I, was, I was a little disappointed how many of our clues. First of all, we got one that we just nobody got. 
which was yeah was a, always Mountain always Pass. embarrassing. We yeah. have that Pass. in the background. Yeah. Uh, I still, to me, that's a L, that's three letters. Largemouth bass. <laughs> I, I thought so too. I didn't think largemouth was one word. Hyphen. Uh, <laughs> well, there was one that that uh, none of us in the back room knew the the non British one. List something. I still. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I got that one. That was the one I got. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of them. I don't know what. It John was. also basically cheated in that he literally, as of you flew back yesterday, correct? Right. From <laughs> the city of Philadelphia, <laughs> known is. for right. a thing called the Liberty Bell, which <laughs> is L B, and that is yeah. one of the two that he got correct was Liberty Bell. <laughs> and I've got to show you uh, Chrissy's uh, text to me. Yeah. <laughs> the last two. I would have divorced you if you missed Liberty Bell. I was yelling it. <laughs> but do you think she said that like, oh, I would have divorced you if you had it? Like, was, that, was that like her opportunity to no, divorce that, you? No, <laughs> it, was, it was a chance. Yeah, that's right. Like I can file and the judge will see this and say, yeah, that's, like, oh, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. fair. Yeah, you get, you get 70% instead of 50%. Yeah. So how do you two now view this? If Aaron, your whole goal was to beat John, yeah. you ended up two Tied, yeah. and yeah. two, yeah. dead even. I wouldn't normally You're say kissing this. your sister. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> now I just looked at him and I was like, what a th- uh, I don't normally say this, but I would argue that he beat me because he did know the last answer. We don't know that. No, but he, I, he, did. he, he did. I even knew it. I was just, <laughs> I was just slow. I even knew because, like, at that point, it was like, oh, okay, I have a laundry basket at home. Here we go. Let's go. Uh, so yeah, I would kind of argue that he it was no La Brea. Yeah, that I wouldn't have gotten ever. I would thought I was gonna because the first clue for La Brea, which is a city in California, right? I guess like, I think so. It's La Brea Tarpons right. is how I know it. it right. The first clue was related to Los Angeles, and I right. almost buzzed in and said Long Beach. Oh. Which I then would have felt dumb because it was. That would have been a good guess. It's a good swing. We have a lot of wrong guesses as a group, I will say. A lot of, ooh, good guess, but no. Or Elizabeth Elizabeth teed it up for us a lot during that game. Like several times she jumped in a little bit early, got one of the words right. In fact, uh, Liberty Bell was one of them, right? She gave uh, Lunch Bell before that. Yes, right. Right? Uh, That's why I. She also guessed. Lunch pail yeah. at one point. After which somebody was the got wrong. lunch box wrong. After, uh, but then what happens <laughs> yeah, is your Tommy brain gets... just freaks. Like yes. your brain just goes, yeah. Well, I know this, or I yeah. think I know this. And I then... once tried to ring in on BG with what I thought was Burger King. And then once I realized what the initials were, I, I altered yeah. my guess to Burger King. It's a very, yeah. it's a very, it happens. Burger it happens. King. I like that. Uh, it's a very strange game, particularly when you're playing it at 8 a.m. Right. You know, Weird side room with fifteen people. Yep. It's a yes. very interesting circumstances, yeah. which is why it is a, there is a level of chaos around, about yeah. it that you. I mean, in fact, the game itself has got a level of chaos such that it's. I think it's really what what makes it fascinating. Listening, it's hard for anybody to dominate it. You know, I mean, yeah. AJ has yeah. right, but everybody else, it goes week to week. It can just change. Yep, you know, and sometimes a list just clicks with, or even the initials. Just immediately when they say say LB, right. you're yeah. like, ooh, okay, uh, Limp Biscuit, London Bridge. Like, yeah, I had Larry Bird written down immediately. And it, <laughs> of course, yeah. did not. I yeah. had long I, ball. I, I would, I would yeah. bet that Larry Bird was one of the three uh, overtime ones. Tiebreakers, uh, tiebreakers. Yeah. yeah, I bet Speaking you. Speaking of long those, ball, those are those ones are easier. Those are the more obvious ones. He saves those for the end. How much do you miss uh, seeing me every day at Target Field and watching these great <laughs> Minnesota Twins uh, go up and down around the 500 mark all season? Um, well, what I miss is you and Dan Hayes and your 
little uh, twinsing outfits, yeah. uh, <laughs> repping the Minnesota Twins as twins. That's America's one of my sweetheart. Beautiful, Me and Dale Hayes. <laughs> um, it's yeah. It's been it's been strange. It's kind of been a two year process of peeling myself out of twins yeah. and into Lynx because last year was the first time we had all the Lynx games, and this year again, as you know, because you've been following so sure. closely. So. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's just a change. And for me, I love it because I'm doing play-by-play for the Lynx. Yeah, so right. instead of doing sideline for the Timberwolves and sidelines for the Twins and then sidelines for the Timberwolves, and side, it was kind of like this nonstop repetition of I have asked every question yes. that could possibly be asked right. to an athlete. You can at only this point. say so many times, like, how do you keep the positive momentum or what we pitch rate? Like, believe me, as someone who tries <laughs> yeah. to come Who's up with your a question. Process? Like, okay, th- three yeah. and two, bases loaded, two down. What were you thinking at the plate there? <laughs> You're, so uh, do, you, do you like play by play better or do you like play by play because it's different? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you seem to be um, sort of a both, you like to be sort of both. an impromptu. Like I can see you doing improv or something like that. Like you like that. Yeah, but play by like play, she like, does. You can say whatever you want. Like, but it is yeah, improv it's because yeah. it, okay. it's not scripted. Right. It's yeah. yeah, it's top of the head. But sometimes my mind doesn't work fast enough. Like sure. a name, I get stuck on a name, and I'm like, oh, or like oh. a phrase, or a yeah. It's, I'd be it's just like it. playing right. the initials game, right? Yeah. Or when you're when you're locked up. On something. Um, so I don't think I'm – I always viewed myself as a jackie of all trades, master yeah. of none. <laughs> I feel like I can do almost anything, but I'm not overwhelmingly great at any of well, it. Well, so, I disagree with the last uh, part. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, I, mean, I, you, I don't want to start agree. pointing out my <laughs> – Jeez, John! <laughs> I don't want to point out my mistakes. I'm enjoying it very much. I miss the ballpark. I miss the vibe of baseball. I don't miss the three-hour and 45-minute nine-inning games. However, <laughs> yeah. they're short now. They have I, I love gone that away, as as which leave. is shocking. <laughs> Although they're creeping back up. Are they really? Like, basically, I looked at this the other day uh, because Royce came over and was like, am I nuts? Are these games getting longer again? That's and I was like, well, Royce. you're nuts. But then I looked it up. And, <laughs> and both. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Why he's not nuts. Both? And yes. basically every month it's added one or two minutes since April. So like in April it was like two thirty something, and now we're at like two forty one, which is still a lot still shorter. Incredible. Yeah, but it still is incredible. interesting that like they, I think what's happened is a lot of the pitchers have figured out more of a rhythm, and they're not as worried about the clock going off, so they'll take it down further. Like early in the season, mm-hmm. like Sonny Gray or whoever would be throwing pitches with seven seconds left, yeah, because he they was like deathly afraid, and now they know like I can take right. it. Uh, but do you, I, I bet one thing you don't miss though, for real. Is having a, having a Dodge uh, Gatorade <laughs> in your post game? <laughs> Although you yeah, were quite good I, at that, I, I I I had a rhythm of I always hold my mic in my left hand as I'm doing now, which I never did until I got engaged. I was always a right-handed mic holder, and then we got you engaged show off the in ring? like <laughs> we got married in '06, so uh-huh. probably '05, and I started holding my mic in my left hand because I was so proud. <laughs> really, I'm not kidding. That's why you, it is a that's rock. Why it is a rock, no. to be honest. That is a, that is an impressive ring. I noticed that earlier today. I, but it's just plain. So <laughs> mo- most people have a lot of diamonds, and oh, so then it doesn't look as good. That looks But I impressive. never was a left-handed mic holder, and then I got engaged, and I was like, the world needs to know! <laughs> so anyway, um, I hold my mic in my left hand, and, and when the water would come, it was like I had this... The first thing they want is for you to save the mic. They don't your hair, right. your clothes, your makeup, <laughs> yeah. your anything. Right. Who cares? 
Don't get the mic wet. And right. it's a direct shot. Like if I'm interviewing you, yeah. the water is coming right here. Because yeah. it happens once and I have a photo of it. Direct, massive amount of water <laughs> oh. coming right You're, straight like, into the mi- very expensive mic. If microphone. you go on Getty Images for the twins and you just search like walk-off celebrations or whatever, there are tons of great photos of you like narrowly dodging it or getting hit <laughs> on the arm with it. And right. it's always the fa- the most wonderful facial yeah, expression. Yeah, where your face is just like, yeah. like all warped because you're moving. And, right. But the like maybe, I don't know, last, two homestands ago, Audra was interviewing, I don't even know who afterward, whoever in the walk-off hit. And Pablo Lopez just straight up picked up the bucket of Gatorade uh-huh. and just very calmly – didn't even run, just walked in a straight line. And Audra, I thought, was just staring right at him. And I thought, <laughs> oh, this will work out well because the player's back is kind of to right. him. She's literally just looking at him. She's going to keep alive this idea that they're just yes. doing an interview. And right. she's just going to sidestep. And instead, uh, he just uh, dumped it on both of them. <laughs> and she didn't see him coming no. at all. Just sort of was staring 10,000-yard stare through him, oh, no. basically. Wow. And then afterward in the clubhouse, as she's just completely drenched, wearing like a dress or whatever. Uh, yeah. And Pablo Lopez was like, what? why didn't you move? <laughs> like, I've made eye contact with you. Like, I thought we had an understanding. Like, you're going to move at the last minute. Right. And I'm going to dump right. this on, you know, timing is whoever it was. Mm. And she's like, I didn't I didn't see. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, just, that, there's Add that to your skill yeah. set. <laughs> a lot of times, Dustin Morse, who is the, yeah. the PR director for the Twins, will get in our eye line. So, the player has his back turned to Dustin. Right. And he yes. will, like Audra or yeah. me back in the day, he will f- wave his arms and then point, so you see it, but you can't react <laughs> right, right. to it because That's you don't want to like give it away like to the player. So there That's is funny. definitely a rhythm to it. There is there is a, a plot and a plan to it. <laughs> but dancing out of the way. And going arm before you move any other body part. Yeah. It's the hand and that's holding the microphone. That's it. It needs yeah. to be the first one. And it needs to go straight back away. Because par- you, you want to <laughs> yeah. not get Gatorade dumped on you, obviously. But also you don't want to give it away because then that right. ruins the fun of them doing it to a sure. teammate. Absolutely. Right. So it's not yes. you can't just go sprinting yeah. away like you ten are, seconds. <laughs> you are part of – you are a You're in on the plane. You are part of yeah. the conspiracy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is exactly And there right. is – I have a photo of – where um, the one where the the mic is getting drenched with the water, and you can see my whole body, my face has turned to the left, my shoulders have gone to the left, and the mic is still there because my thought is save yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, I got the old lecture: save the microphone. Yeah. So now I I have to contour in a in a That's different nice. way. The since producers then, but... are like, we can get another Marnie. We can never get another <laughs> handheld microphone for eighty nine ninety nine. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we you don't have a lot right. of walk off Gatorade. <laughs> Baths in yeah. Does anybody in just the pour a cup in the WNBA, get it over so. you or anything like that? No, but they started doing that with the Wolves. Really? What, like you do the the on court interview right in the free throw lane, typically. Okay. Right. Uh, after the court has emptied, and whoever the guy is doing the radio interview usually gets done first. Takes off the headset, grabs two full cups yeah. of Gatorade, and then just does the slow pour over the head. <laughs> that's a lot. It's I not love, as dramatic, and a lot it, there's more cleanup. Yeah, on a court where somebody's <laughs> yes. got to like squeegee it right, off the. Yeah. You know, well. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. I, you know, in, you, 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 people follow Gleaming of the Geek podcast for in-depth coverage. I didn't think we'd get into the mechanics and the logistics of the, no, uh, like the Gatorade uh, Gatorade yeah, shower. I, I, I think that's this. really good. Yeah, I it's know. a skill. That's. Yeah, a I would team. say you know you're missed. You you're 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 very much missed on all aspects of being at Twins games. 
Well, that's very good. Your, your on air performance is missed, but also just seeing you around at the ballpark. I appreciate not that. as many Thank people you. goof on me. I mean, a lot of people still goof on me at the ballpark, but not yeah. as many. You're such an easy target. Now that you're gone. And when you would sit in that far yeah, they right had us in corner, like Siberia, yeah. basically. They yeah, knew, right. they knew yeah. all about you. Now we're in the other side. You would sit in that corner, and then I would have to go out that door and stand kind of right by that glass. To do a hit in the second yeah, inning, yeah, your first stand-up yeah, my thing. first on camera hit, and you were just right there, but there was this huge glass in between us, and I would always there was always something. Well, usually it was just nice shirts, guys, yeah, and then just walk away. <laughs> but anyway, good to see you, Mark. Miss you guys yes. both. Um, miss the game, miss the people. Don't miss the rain delays. Um, but thanks for having me. It's it yes. great to see you. Great game today. Thanks, thanks for, for the breakdown. Of the yeah. I'm, I'm glad we had an impartial, impartial judge there to kind of talk about. Talk about how the how it all went. So wonderful. The initials today are G G Gleeman Gleek. <laughs> Wait, Gleek Geek. Yeah, that's better. Anyway. Gleeman and the Gleek. Uh, you mispronounced it. You don't get the Bye. point. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you, Mike. All right. Before we get into some twins talk, let's talk a little bit about a couple sponsors. Starting with RotoWire. It is football season. The Vikings are playing. I. Uh, I have not seen any of the games yet, I'll be honest no. with you. But I don't need to be follow the NFL very well because I just go on to RotoWire. I follow it less and less every year, but I still do. I don't embarrass myself in my fantasy no, football league because truth. of RotoWire. The less right. of your brain that's involved in the drafting and managing of your fantasy football <laughs> team and the more reliance on RotoWire's brains, right. yeah. the better you're probably going to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly right. Yes, At least right. you yeah, do. For sure. Now, it's up to you listening to this if that's also true. <laughs> Uh, but RotoWire, our friends at RotoWire, have a free trial available for Gleeman and the Geek listeners. And it's actually a free trial in that they don't even ask you for your credit card to start it. So it's not like they're going to kick in at $100 a month. Right. After yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're so confident that if you try it, you'll appreciate the quality of the product. Not yes. only the cheat sheets and customizable lists and all that for your fantasy drafts, which you can sign up for this free trial and do as many of your drafts as right. you want for free, right. but also the in-season tools of player oh. news and injuries, right. rankings per week, and which just guys to pick up off the waiver wire. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's right. uh, invaluable. And uh, you can go and get that free trial at rotowire.com. Slash Gleeman, again, no credit card re- required, so there's no reason not to try it out. Rotowire.com slash Gleeman for your totally free trial. Twins are in town this weekend. You're going to want to wear something cool at the ballpark. I would uh, suggest you just do a quick uh, tour of Soda Stick's website. Soda Stick has all kinds of cool things. Their latest one, they're kind of bringing back a design that <laughs> that was – I did not know that there was a Tony Oliva hitting school. That actually existed. They've had this Tony Oliva Hitting School uh, logo for a while. They've had it on shirts, but now they've got it on these uh, hats that look fantastic. And I did not understand that that was literally there was a Tony Oliva Hitting School in Bloomington in the late 80s, early 90s. I, didn't know that. I was a Bloomington boy. Should have gone to it. Well, I probably should have, but I was late 80s, early 90s. Tony Oliva had a hitting school, and they've got the logo, and it's on hats. And I mean, that's the kind of insider thing that you're wearing when you're wearing a soda stick. They have their uh, Kirko chains. Yes. Which is new. Yep. The football stuff absolutely coming out. But yeah, Um, the Tony O hitting school uh, hats is an actual collaboration with Tony Oliva himself. Yeah. Uh, And if you go to Soda Stick, Soda Like Minnesota, sodastickco.com, or just Google Soda Stick, it'll take you to it. And then you use the promo code Gleeman when you're checking out, you will get 15. 
percent off your order. Yeah, and you don't know when that stuff's going to run out. They only made, they have small batches of this stuff, so get in there right now. So Soda.co.com. What is the uh, fancy boy modeling school? That's in my brain, but I don't know what that's from. <laughs> it's from some movie or something. I don't. When you know. were saying Tony Oliva hitting school. Is I that from the uh, Ben Stiller? Uh, Maybe. A Ben Stiller movie? Should I look it up? You'll never <laughs> fancy know. Fancy boy modeling with school. A phone and Wi-Fi. <laughs> Maybe I'm fancy boy. <laughs> Here it is. The Aaron Gleeman Fancy Boy Modeling School. Yeah. Also in Bloomington. It's Handsome Boy Modeling School. Handsome Boy Modeling School. No, no, this is not what I'm talking about. Uh, This is a (laughs) rap group. That's an actual thing. Well, then what am I? I don't know what I'm talking about then. I might have just made this up. I might have just invented something. Maybe we should go. Maybe we should start a Fancy Boy Modeling School. Oh, I can see a lot of clients coming to us for a modeling school. What, What am I thinking of then? I have no idea. Anyway, this brain of mine. Not, it does not work the way it I once think we did. Just, those people who like to hunt URLs and sell them for profit, I think we've just found a magical URL for yeah. you folks out there. Fancy the boy yeah. school. I'm f- I'd be afraid to Fancy, check. Fancy boy at- school. Edu. <laughs> that, yeah, that edu. Oh, you'll get an education there. Believe me. Uh, yeah, let's talk some twins. Yes. Um, they played a night after having yesterday off. Yep. Uh, Pittsburgh in town for three. And then they go to Milwaukee for a little two another game. day off. Then the two True, days, yeah. yeah, right. And then a little two gamer, and then right back home for two series, right? Uh, which is a real, you know, one of the more challenging parts of the. I mean, I guess I'll include Milwaukee in that too. Yeah. Going at Milwaukee for two, and then back here against Texas and Cleveland, or Cleveland and Texas, right. I guess, is basically the hardest remaining part of their schedule. Yeah. Uh, but. And then following it up with a d- off day and then back on the road versus uh, Texas and Cleveland. Two, yeah, yeah, right. right yeah. Uh, but they're up four and a half because Cleveland got rained out yesterday. They're playing a doubleheader today. The Twins are up four and a half with 40 to play. Right. And it's, you know, being up four and a half is good, but it's the 40 to play that's almost as right. helpful to them as the four and a half, really. Because, you know, at some point you're going to assume – find this clip when this doesn't happen but you're going to assume <laughs> something resembling a 500 record is you know kind of a not the worst case scenario we saw last year what the real worst case scenario for the twins was it was like you know uh, five and 25 right. or whatever yeah, exactly. down the stretch right, yeah. but you know 20 and 20 let's say is a baseline i mean they're what five games above 500 right now even if a couple below 500 when there's only 40 games left that would then require cleveland to play at a hundred and something win pace, right. basically. Now the only thing in Cleveland's favor is that six, six games versus of the, the remaining forty right. are against the Twins. Right. But you know that's in their favor if they win five out of six or something. Like <laughs> right, that. But yeah. it's also can potentially be in the Twins' favor if the Twins just win two or three out of six. Or, yeah, if they go four and two, and they're well, right. really they pretty much I mean, locked up the division, right? Yeah, it's it's in Cleveland's favor in that if we were doing a Guardians podcast, I'd want as many head-to-head matchups remaining as possible because you can make up the most ground. Right. But you know, I do. I think from the Twins' standpoint, it is nice to at least be able to control your own destiny on all fronts. Not only are you ahead. Not only are there only 40 games left that you can sort of run the clock out to some extent right. if you maintain the lead, but if you just if you don't just fall apart against your only rival at this point, you can kind of block them from being able to make the type of moves well, required. And, and other than you know the three series they have left, they have two series versus Texas and one versus Tampa le- left. So those are you know significant, right. you know, difficult series. But I mean, you got Pittsburgh this weekend starting the middle of September. You've got the Mets in the first half of September. You've got um, you know the last two weeks of the regular season. Yeah, it's like White Sox. I mean, Oakland, Colorado. 
Cincinnati, but they're yeah. even falling out of yeah. it. I mean, they they might be done by the time this uh, by the time they. So what we're saying so. is, when the Twins blow this lead, it'll be really disappointing. <laughs> uh, since we last uh, did the show, saying, make plans for October second, third, and fourth. That's what third, fourth, fourth and, and fifth. fifth. Yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah. Beyond that, I'm not going to tell you to make any plans. <laughs> but the third, fourth. Uh, you know what? The third and the fourth. Make plans for the third and the fourth. <laughs> Put the mark off your calendar. Try to well, reserve some time on those so days. The other day, I was. Uh, I actually had tickets to something on the fourth. <laughs> wow. Uh, the other day, when they when Duran was coming in to close out a game. They do his entrance thing, which is they tell everyone to pick up yes. their phones and put the the flat or the uh, light on on uh, your phones, yep, yep. and then they cut the lights in the stadium so it goes dark. And early on in the season, it didn't really have the effect they wanted because it wasn't dark out yet a right, lot of yes, the times. Right. Like for these six something starts, it was like eight thirty by the time he came in, and you know eight thirty early summer. It's like well, it's just light out at this stage yeah. but now we've gotten to this point uh in the in the calendar where it's at least yes. mostly dark right. out and it is a cool effect you know 25 30,000 people and i i sent to doe young park from mlb.com uh, i was like man this would be a really cool thing to experience for a playoff game right and doe said it would be but you know damn well they're playing the day games in the playoffs. <laughs> well, that's true. They're not that's getting those primetime right. spots. That's a good point. Uh, particularly if the Yankees are not the opponent. Now, right. if the Yankees were the opponent, we've <laughs> yeah, seen right. in the past, they but sometimes... That's looking increasingly unlikely. Right. The Yankees right. are a disaster. Yeah, I mean, the are. Yankees have their first... Could potentially have their first losing record since 1995. Right. They're below 500 right, right now. Um, yeah. But, they have fallen apart. Uh, the Detroit radio announcers were blown away by the, uh, by the Duran... Introduction. Yeah, because it starts. Yes. It starts. They've altered they, it a few they, times. They went on for for about thirty, forty minutes. Like we just saw, <laughs> they they really do it up for when Duran yeah. comes in there, and and they they were very complimentary of Duran because he's had unbelievable success versus the, the Tigers uh, over his career until uh, until, until, until particularly. I do feel it also does feel like it makes Duran a little self conscious. Well, it's why interesting because they've tweaked right. the actual uh, intro, and so now what it's become is. It starts with the Undertaker, if people are wrestling fans from like the <laughs> yeah, 90s, right, yeah. which I was, uh, it's the Undertaker like, dung, bell, yeah. dung, and, it, and that's like really ominous, right. and it's dark, and then just like a very upbeat, uh, you know, Latin music starts up, <laughs> okay. where it's like, you know, I'm assuming lyrically a party, <laughs> basically. It's not like, oh, here comes death to come it's, close out the it's, game. It's worth trying to find. I should probably try and find that clip and put it out on Twitter or something. Detroit, yeah. I should talk about because they're like, and they got a you know, ribbon uh, scoreboard. It's got fire. They got a spider crawling around. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, the Durantula. <laughs> so it's good. Now, it would be a little better if he was pitching like he did last year in the beginning yeah. of this yeah, year. Exactly. Uh, but we we did, uh, someone tells me we covered Duran on the Patreon We did cover him plenty, yes. Yeah. W that got the reaction I predicted, which was, a lot of people were like, well, Aaron, I think, was kind of right, which I, I stopped listening at that point. <laughs> but also, did he have to be so mean to John? And there were a few people who were like, John was also right in addition to Aaron being mean. So that's, you know, about par for our course. I, I wonder if, if sometimes- If we want to unpack that some more, I did find it. When I got home last night, I did take a look at what's up. I'm afraid to. But here's what I'll say, just in general. And I know the, the Patreon subscribers, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. They're uh, they're a special breed, and we love them for that. And they're very into the show, and they listen by definition to much more there, of the show. And there were a lot of good comments on that, like yes. a lot of people doing a lot of research. It was great. Uh, yes, but two things about that. One, I did find it interesting that people took us 
arguing or me being mean to you as an opportunity to then be mean to both of us, <laughs> which is, I was like, well, that's an interesting human reaction to be like, I can't believe we ran picked on John. What a couple of jerks these guys are. It was like, yeah, okay. But then the other thing is, and we even said this, I think, to each other afterward, or at least I said this to try to make myself feel less bad in the moment. <laughs> that was actually day one of our 13th year together as podcasters. <laughs> yes. And we've joked, right. it's like being an old married couple. And right. not that I would advise you to uh, yell at your significant other or anything, but, <laughs> you know, s- certain stuff, it's like that didn't even, to me at least, maybe you felt differently, <laughs> that did not register on the scale of like, like, I think if people listen to the early days of the show, yeah, I think those people not who even really to the early, the early days, days, but like the mid days, like the year three through six. Nah, it was even more common in the early days where we would a be drinking. Yes, <laughs> quite a, right. yeah, right, yeah, because we'd be at a bar <laughs> right. recording it yeah, or a brewery true. or whatever. Yep. But I mean, we had some real arguments where it was like, man, these guys just don't even like each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and now it's more like. Aaron could have been a little nicer making his point and uh, maybe listen to John a little more. And I will accept that. That is a flaw of mine for sure. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is not uh, this old married couple, which, you know. That's a good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's how I, I feel I, anyway. John might be sitting here feeling, no, no, this is the worst thing ever. I'm ready to divorce I, you. I do think we should probably try to figure out some way to uh, – so we got to put something in, in place to – Cut that stuff short. What do we both feel oh, like just it's the going length of it? Long. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, like we just gotta, we got to figure out something. Say, okay, we've t- we've anything we're going to say after this is 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 re- repetitive. Some might argue right. this actual discussion <laughs> is right, only exactly adding to right. that. Yeah, right. uh, so we also then so they finished their season series against Detroit five and eight, which is uh, very strange because Detroit is not a good team. Right. And if you take out that eight and five record they have against the Twins, right. they're you know low four hundreds for a winning percentage. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been weird too. The the thirteen games they've played against Detroit, a lot of them they just were shut down completely offensively by you know Reese Olsen and guys like that. Right. This the last game though is they took a four nothing lead. The Twins yep. did. They then gave up seven runs or eight runs, excuse me, right, and then scored three bang 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 in the ninth inning to make it eight seven. And I'm sitting here going, oh, they're going to walk this off too, right. and they almost did. Matt Walner came about three feet away from walking it off with a two run homer to left down the left field line yes, right. one day after hitting a game winning grand slam. Yep. And I thought, wow, the legend of Matt Walner is just going to be insane it's already kind of getting that way but so he narrowly missed that i I mean we've seen this sometimes before there's usually like i feel like even going back 15 years to like the guardy era there was always because there's always two or three horrible teams in the central (laughs) except like one of those teams usually puts up a decent fight against each of the contending teams and a lot of times that makes the difference in the season there have definitely been seasons where it's like oh the twins went you know 13 and 5 Back when you played eighteen times, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, thirteen and five against the Royals, and you know Cleveland only went eleven and seven against them, and right. that was the difference right. or something. Yeah. Now, hopefully, this doesn't prove to be the difference because Detroit, especially, is facing Cleveland right now. Right, <laughs> they're, they're, they're four they're, games they're, this weekend. They've got four games in three days. They're facing Cleveland. them two times today. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, so yeah, yeah we right. need uh, Torkelson and Riley Green and those guys, Tyler F and Holt. Yeah. Holton, Holt, Holton. <laughs> Holton, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Holton. To, uh, to play like they did against the Twins. But yeah, it's funny too because we asked, you know, Maeda afterward. We asked Baldelli a couple times, like, what is it about Detroit? And it's a tricky spot for a player or a coach right. or a manager to be in right. because they're never going to be like, 
I have no idea we played like crap. They're, they're not a good team. I mean, they're not, even if they believe that, which I'm not right. saying they do. But what Maeda said was, you know, when you get into these, you know, inner interdivision games, you play these teams so often. Like he, this start he made against Detroit, his previous start was against Detroit also. Right. And that happens quite a bit, especially they seem to be doubling up. Like we just said, it goes Cleveland, Texas, break. Cleveland, Texas. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so you end up playing. I know there was a point where somebody, either this year or last year, faced the Royals in three out of four starts. And so you just kind of get laid bare as a pitcher or as a hitter in terms of tendencies or strategy or pitch mix or just hitters get a look at you. Yeah. And that was kind of Maeda's point was like they've they've got good scouting reports on us and the matchups for whatever reason – are are leaning in their, their favor or at least sort of neutral to them, and they've taken advantage of that because they've been able to, once they feel confident with the matchups and the scouting reports, well, they can really do pedal to the metal because they're going to get to play us 10 times in three weeks or whatever. Now, that should cut both ways, you would right. think, but I will say after getting shut down by Reese Olsen twice, they did get to Reese Olsen right. yeah, with right. plenty of base right. runners, a decent number of runs, uh, plenty of hits. They didn't quite break it open, which they... Yeah. Turns out they needed to do, right. uh, but I wasn't expecting them to give up but, eight but, runs. But after why the f- didn't they break it open? Because they had them on the ropes. Because right. Tyler Holt, they brought in a left-handed reliever, right. that, which is the second time they've done it in the last four games we played them. Because that same thing happened in the third game of the series last time. They brought in Tyler, almost exactly the same thing. Like they brought in Tyler Holton to face uh, back on last Wednesday, I think it was, or Thursday. No, Wednesday. They they brought in Tyler Holton to face uh, uh, Kepler, I think, with the bases loaded. And then they just kept him in there for two more innings to get through seven, you know. Yeah, and, and and then the same thing happened this time. And this guy's got a five ERA or something, right? Tyler Holton has pitched three times against the Twins in the last, well, in the span of nine days. Right. He pitched three times against the Twins. He went one scoreless, two and a third scoreless, and two and a third, and scoreless. two and a third scoreless. Yeah, right. And, and, and both of those were, were like where now the game was somewhat. It was at least decent leverage, and it would just shut down the Twins versus a lefty for middle innings. Right. Now, on one hand, he's a 27-year-old rookie (laughs) middle reliever for the fourth-place team. Right. On the other hand, he does have a 174 ERA in 62 innings this year. Okay. So now the Twins have helped that. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely a strategy that we've seen, and it's not so much – I don't think we've seen teams adjust their starting rotation – to put more lefties against the Twins in general. Okay. I think we've seen them right. when it's just a coin flip of who's going to pitch in the sixth inning or the fifth inning or whatever, just a couple innings here. It's going to be some, you know, our right. seventh or eighth best right. reliever or our yes. fifth or sixth. I think we've started to see more and more managers go, well, I'll just put the lefty in against them. Yes, right. And within that, when the Twins don't do any damage against those lefties, it incentivizes managers to just let them roll through the lineup at least once so you get multiple innings. And so yep. I think that's been an issue. I think where it really could become an issue for them is if and when you get to the playoffs, right, of course. two ways, which is one, teams might actually adjust their starting yeah. rotation for you in the playoffs. Yeah. If it's, well, this guy's our fourth starter and our first three starters are righties, but yeah. we could bump them up to the second spot just to make sure that we throw a lefty against this lineup that ranks dead last in, in baseball in OPS against lefties. And then the other way is teams will build out their playoff bullpens and add as many lefties as they can because they're not going to be afraid of the three batter rule because there's no one that can really punish 
a lefty. It's not like they got some big bopper coming off the bench and even guys like Correa or Buxton or whatever haven't really punished lefties. And so the fear would be, like let's say you're playing uh, Toronto. Toronto and Kikuchi. Kikuchi starts game two when he normally might not start any of the first three games. And then you get into the fifth inning of the first game and I don't know their bullpen well enough to say who the lefties are, but they're like, well, normally we would turn to this righty, but why would we do that? We'll just throw a lefty in there and let him try to go two and a third or whatever. And so I don't really know how you combat that other than, I mean, it's too late to go trade. Start to hit lefties. Right. You just (laughs) got to start to actually produce like, like the lineup should. And I mean, I don't think there's any way to build a lineup against lefties with their available part pieces that is going to be good against lefties. But there's no way that the group that they can put out there, which often includes seven or eight right-handed bats right. out of nine, there's no way that they should be this bad. And you look at like the individual numbers, and it's like Correa's now overall for the season got pretty good numbers against lefties, but he hasn't crushed them. But then you start to look at guys who were brought in specifically to fill that role, which is Donovan Solano. The weird thing about Solano, he's been really good overall. He's been better against righties than lefties. Yeah. Say Ryan Jeffers, who only hit lefties prior to this year, yep. has actually been better against righties than lefties. Kyle Farmer, who's really only offensive skill over the last two or three years has been knocking around <laughs> lefties. lefties right. He just hasn't done it this year. Right. And same thing with like Michael Taylor uh, and some other guys. Obviously, Buxton is a big component of that. He's been terrible against lefties when healthy this year. And in past years, he destroys lefties. Right. I mean, most good right-handed hitters over a large enough sample will destroy lefties. It's like not even really in question. No, there's degrees of that, obviously. But mm-hmm. so I don't really know. And, you know, they picked up Jordan Luplo. Yeah, who, right. that's the only thing he really right. does, that's true. is yeah. hit lefties, and that's that true. helps. Although they're going to get to a point where keeping him on the roster is going to be tricky, potentially. I mean, we we should talk about – so also since we last uh, – I think the, one of the bosses here just looked in the window. <laughs> Surely impressed by what he saw. Pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. Um, the boss boss, I think. <laughs> the big boss. Yeah, okay. I think. The okay. big boss man. Okay. Okay. Speaking of 90s wrestling. <laughs> the big bo- Do you remember the big boss man? I don't. I was not a very 90s wrestling guy. Well, yeah, because you were 50 years old. Yeah, exactly. I was 12. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, right it was a guy whose character was a cop. So he would come in like a cop <laughs> uniform with a nightstick. Oh, beautiful. And then he would just kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, Royce Lewis. Back off yeah, the IL. Yeah. The first of what could potentially be three or four hitters coming back from the IL. Right. I mean, they're certainly hoping that's the case. They avoided having to make any significant roster right. decision. <laughs> well, at least a tough one. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. Lo- losing Willie Castro. Oh, no, for sure. Now, Hal- I wonder if they need this room. Because <laughs> now Halver. You want me to pause? Just looked in here and made a bad thing. Yeah, pause. Okay, we have changed location. <laughs> We've been kicked out of the quote social media room because people needed to it's use so, it social media right. by so, for social media. I suppose <laughs> I don't know. There's no podcasting room. We're in an actual production room right now with soundproof. Oh yeah, stuff. we're classing it up really. It's totally. Now different. I feel yeah, like radio. Yeah. Uh, feel the should quality. We do like a weather report, and a traffic report. <laughs> it's uh, eleven after the hour. <laughs> You're listening to... And Willie Castro's on the IL. And Willie Castro's on the IL. I think that's what we were talking about. Here's your IL update on the 8s from yeah. Minnesota Twins. Traffic and weather and Willie Castro on the 11s. Um, so, yeah, to make room, we were speculating, because, you know, Royce homered on a couple of his rehab games, by all accounts, was feeling good with the oblique. He missed 36 games, I think, something like that. Okay. Uh, which is... They said six weeks basically was kind of the, the goal. And I only point that out because so often when they don't hit a goal, 
for a recovery timetable, we discuss it. So it's worth yeah, noting yeah, that yeah, he did right, hit the yeah, recovery goal, right. um, which he also did for both torn ACLs, which is noteworthy. Uh, yeah, you're right. He, we were speculating. Yeah, him. He's a fast healer. <laughs> he gets hurt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he's a fast healer. I was going to say something along those lines, and I stopped myself. <laughs> but so we were kind of guessing what the roster move would be. And like I was saying, with Luplo or Willie Cat, it gets tricky because I don't get the sense they have anybody from a hitting side they want to send down or DFA. You know, you could argue about Gallo. You could argue, you know, Luplo can be sent down. Castro can be sent down. They have minor league options. But I just didn't get the sense that they were like, well, when Royce comes back, we'll just send so-and-so hitter down and keep the 13-13 mix. So I started to think, well, we've seen their willingness to bump from 13 to 12 pitchers right. short-term. For short-term. And, kind they, of, and they had so many off days. Right. made perfect sense. Right. So, you know, to send down Josh Winder or Cole Sands, who, again, has been on the roster without pitching for quite a while now. Uh, would be a, a decent kind of kick the can down the road with the decision move. Yep. And I do think that's what they would have done, except Friday in Philly, Willie Castro strained his oblique right. swinging. And <laughs> it's a grade one strain, which is the lowest level. So they're hoping, you know, more three or four weeks instead of six or eight weeks with that. But we'll right. see. And so that made the, the roster decision pretty easy. So Royce Lewis came back. He slots right back in at third base, which is what he was playing every day before he got hurt. He hit third in his first game, came yep. through with an RBI yep. single. Yep. As Baldelli likes to talk about, they, those spots find him. Uh, <laughs> yes, no matter if he's batting yeah, third, yeah. he's batting eighth, he's coming off the bench, whatever it is. Uh, early in his Twins career, Royce Lewis has come up in a yeah. disproportionate number of big spots. Uh, and done and disproportionately well. Yes, done yeah, exceptionally right. well. And after this one, Bal- and he did it again later in the series too. Yes, uh, he had a he had a big hit too. Yep. And Baldelli was like, "Yeah, sometimes I look and there's uh, two guys on base and he's on deck, and I just look and I say, yeah, they're going to walk here and he's going to come up with the bases loaded.' And sure enough, that's what happens. Right, yeah, and yeah. I mean, that's a good rep to have when you're right. you know 50 games into your right. major league career or whatever. Yeah. But so he's back. I get the sense. I mean, the next kind of decision point for them, both from a roster standpoint, but also just a day-to-day lineup standpoint, would come, if, if we're assuming Willie Castro is going to be out longer than the minimum 10 days, which I would assume, um, would be Buxton returning. Right. Now, we know pretty well that that's not going to be fast. There's no kind of imminent, I mean, maybe I'll get a better sense going to the ballpark today. They'll have some, but he's not you know, imminently coming back. I, I would guess September. And it's, yeah. what is it, August 18th today. So, right. you know, a couple weeks maybe. Once that happens, if that happens, and, and Buxton returns, and I do think he'll return, uh, then it takes away at least some of the availability of the DH spot. Right. But until that happens, and we can talk about that in a second, but until that yeah, happens. Because we've seen some examples of it now, like what they're doing with exactly. Royce Lewis back. Right. It, while they have the DH spot open without Byron Buxton around, they have Julian, Polanco, and Lewis for two infield spots, third base and second base. Right. Well, it's easy. Most days, I'm going to guess, Julian's going to be the DH, and then occasionally Julian will play second base and Polanco will be the DH. Right. Or Julian will play second base, Polanco will play third base, and Lewis will be the DH. Right. And so it's a night you can almost just cycle guys through there. I don't think it'll be quite a even cycling. I think Julian, just because of defense, will be the, the more often DH. But I, you know that's a pretty – straightforward way to get all three of those guys the deserved everyday, you know, most everyday playing time they can get. 
And the outfield is such that without Kirloff at first base, who is also right. hoping to return, but I would guess it would be in September also, Gallo has primarily been playing first, first base, base instead yep. of a corner outfield spot, yep. which opens up an outfield spot for Matt Walner. So right now, there's plenty of room for everyone, and the lineup looks pretty decent. And they have a lot of lefty-righty options. They got some switch hitters. They got some bench bats. You know, Ryan Jeffers, we can talk more about him later, but he's really been thriving lately to the point that he's even been part of the DH mix a right, little bit yep. to try yep. to get him some extra at-bats outside of just the— Well, I mean, for that matter, he's been thriving enough that Christian Vasquez has been in the first base mix. Well, that one, <laughs> I— uh, another step. That's a tougher sell to me. But, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, that was only one game. But, yeah, uh, not defensively. I mean, Vasquez is fine at first base. Vasquez can play third, too, uh, <laughs> He has before. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, that you want to be playing your weak-hitting, right. struggling backup, backup catcher, <laughs> really, at this, point, at this point, at first yeah. base, yeah. even against a lefty. But So in the near term, they're in pretty good shape roster-wise and lineup-wise. I mean, missing Castro is a loss, not from a raw offensive production standpoint, but from a – he's a switch hitter. He right. can play everywhere, and his – Base running and base stealing have really provided a jolt and a, a an aspect of the lineup that they just otherwise don't have. Although Royce Lewis is fast and Michael Taylor's fast and even Julian has, I think, three for three on steals. But Castro was a real weapon, especially when they brought him in mid-game for sure. off the bench because he could just run at will and would often steal third, could score on choppers. And also played a lot of third base, left field, center field, switch hitter. That it it allowed Baldelli to essentially make any mid-game moves he wanted without even having to kind of plan for how they were going to put out a defense. Yeah. Because with Castro and with a couple other flexible guys, there is no way that you're going to be left without a decent alignment. I would suggest he's the kind of guy that is probably more valuable in a short series than in a 162-game season. Yeah, you know I mean, like it, it does allow you sure. in game to use you know, have a little bit of speed as a weapon if you need it. You need to get this. You need to get somebody in scoring position. Uh, you can bring him in in that position, right. and then you don't have to worry too much about screwing up your uh, defensive alignment one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, you there. look at him. Uh, it's funny. He's second on the team in terms of position players right. in wins above replacement, <laughs> and he leads the team in win probability added. Right. And you look at his overall numbers, and I think he's got like a you know, 700, 710 OPS or something like that, like a below right. average yeah. OPS, yeah. but he's been exceptionally good in, in clutch spots, yes, right. whereas the scoring position, high leverage. Now, that's not predictive. Uh, I'm not <laughs> yes. sitting here saying, you know, Willie Castro is some kind of clutch god, but it it did happen. Right, yeah. Uh, right. And it's helped the Twins to wins. But yeah, to your point. You're forgiven if you think he's pretty valuable because he's been pretty he's valuable. Been pretty valuable. <laughs> right. Now, does yeah, that right. mean the next 100 games <laughs> right. he would be similarly valuable? No. Right. I mean, he'd probably be as valuable as his raw numbers would suggest, just probability yeah, standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if they get into the playoffs, I don't imagine Willie Castro would be starting game one or maybe any of the games right. in a playoff series if you have the options available. But I damn well would guarantee I w- I want he'll get used bench. off the bench. Right. Uh, I, the other thing that having losing him makes you a little thinner at is center field, which right. is why we're seeing Gallo yeah. <laughs> roaming center field in the second game of the series. Uh, you know, t- I don't know if Taylor's just getting a day off or if he's starting to feel something again, like he was making all those, he's throwing his body around like a, no, but I mean, like a rag doll at Michael Philadelphia. Michael Taylor doesn't need to be playing every day against right-handed <laughs> yeah, pitching. Well, that's true like, too, right. That's, he's not. Right. He's got 260 on base percentage for the year. I mean, he's done a lot of good it's, things. Right. but So that's where they're at. I think, you know, we joke a lot about how cart before the horse like there's no need to say 
well, what will happen in two or three weeks if Buxton is back or <laughs> right, if Buxton yes, and Kirilov right, yes. are back. I do think they We w- used to spend a lot of time on that. Yeah. We've learned <laughs> right. gradually, oh, somebody will be hurt as well as going to Or one of them <laughs> right. won't come back right. or yeah, whatever right. the case exactly. may be. Right. Now, if those guys do come back, they are going to have some tough decisions, although at that point, the roster expands from 26 to 28 That's players true. in September. So at least one of those guys can return without a subsequent yeah, I mean that doesn't help Oof. you with the playing time, the right. playing time situation, which is really probably the bigger dilemma. But it does allow you to not worry so much right. about the roster spot. Right? Uh, so that's where they're at, like from a position player front. And I mean, I don't know. I, I think to that point, like once Buxton comes back, it's going to be. A pr- I'm assuming you know Walner and Julian don't slump horribly or something right. like that, or Lewis or whatever. It's a pretty tough sell based on how Buxton has performed this year, but even more so based on how they've each performed this year, which right. is exceptionally well for rookies. I mean, the Twins' five best hitters yes. are all 26 and under. Uh, it's Julian, right. yep. Walner, Lewis, Kirilov, yep. and Jeffers. Yep. Now, some of those guys are more veteran than other, others, obviously, but it's been the younger guys, not the veterans, that have carried them uh, to this lead. And so when Buxton comes back... You know, he's got a below average OPS. He was struggling mostly, although he got on a little hot streak right before the hamstring yes, injury. Right. It's a tough sell to be like, oh, he's just going to be our everyday DH again, right. which I think within that, there have been some indications. You know, this is me reading between the lines, but on two fronts defensively that I think have been season long talking points. That I, I f- what did you call it on the Patreon? You said their resolve is their resolve crumbling. is crumbling, <laughs> and I agree with that. Which is they're not going to come out and say it, but. I'm of the belief, A, for sure, my constant, why aren't they playing Ed Julian at first base, I think could become a reality. And if not Ed Julian, it'll be Polanco. Uh, yeah, assuming well, I was wondering if it was going to be Polanco. Right. I mean, it could be one or both. Yeah. And that's if Buxton comes back and takes over even a share of the DH spot, there are just going to be days where you want all three of Julian, Polanco, and Lewis in the lineup, yep. and you want Buxton in the lineup. Yep. And the only way to do that is to play somebody in left field or first base. And so I think their uh, unwillingness to play one of those guys, and specifically Julian at first base, has been, to me, odd and frustrating. I think they're starting to kind of realize it's the only way to fly. Like, it's the only way to that this is going to – all these pieces are going to fit in place once Buxton comes back. Now, with that said, if Buxton comes back and Kirloff comes back, well, then that's no longer even really helpful. Uh, But And then the other thing along those lines is I think not because Buxton is any healthier than he was early (laughs) in the season, but that the the idea behind Buxton as purely a DH – has proven to be ineffective on two fronts. One, he hasn't been productive. I mean, he's hit worse than he has in the last three or four right. years. And then B... And p- potentially related. <laughs> he hasn't been healthy. Right. I mean, yeah. he was... Right. He's played the first 70 games. He played a much higher share of those games than he ever has before. Right. So it worked in that sense, but he wasn't hitting. And now, of late, you know, he's been banged up. Now he's got the hamstring he's going to miss yes. time with. And so... The, the premise behind, well, we're just going to leave him at DH was to keep him in the lineup. Right. And, you know, I'm sure he's more likely to stay healthy as a pure DH, but he hasn't stayed healthy as a pure DH. And if it means, A, him not being particularly productive as a pure DH, whether you think that's linked to not playing the field or not, I don't really think it's that linked, but right. we'll never know, right. really. Or it's just a matter of, you're limiting yourself in terms of what you can do with a lineup on a given day if he can only play DH for all the reasons that we just talked about. And so I think 
their resolve on the Ken Buxton or will we play Buxton at least part-time occasionally in the outfield, presumably in center field, but I'll just say in the outfield, has crumbled a little bit. And I think it's a very real possibility that when he comes back, he will be a part-time DH and an occasional outfielder, not because they're much more confident that he's going to stay healthy, just because there's less to protect. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, yes, there's less to protect. Here's what I, I mean, at some point it becomes, are we going to have the worst guy? Is having Buxton at DH mean we don't get to see Julian in the in the lineup? Right. Or do we not, don't get to see Royce Lewis in the lineup right. when those guys are clearly doing better than him? And when you get to that point where you're like, hold it, so either we have to sit one of those guys or... We could put Buxton in center field, I guess. Right. You know, and uh, you know, it's it it's most it's based on Buxton's performance and how far it far it has fallen off. But it's also based on the performance of the players around him. Yes, right? early in the season, right. You put him at DH because there, right. he wasn't really blocking anybody right. necessarily. Exactly. Right. I mean, and now he's right. potentially blocking guys who have out hit him. Now, I will right. say this: what Buxton has done this season to this point is not necessarily right. what you could w- would Correct. bank on him doing. Right. Because here's the reality. We're talking about Byron Buxton like he's some washed up bum here. Right. Uh, that's a little exaggerated. But we're saying, well, you can't bench Polanco for him. Right. Except he's out hit Polanco yeah. in right. three out of the last four yeah. years. You right. can't bench yes. Royce Lewis right. for him. Well, odds are Royce Lewis will never hit as well as Buxton did the last two or three years. Right. You know, right. same thing with other guys, too. Agreed. Agreed 100%. So right. it's a matter of wh- how do you view Byron Buxton right now or when he, you know, two right. weeks from now? Is Do you view him as the guy who had a slightly below average OPS in the first half? Well, if that's the case, then yeah, all those guys are better options than him against right handed uh, pitchers, certainly. Right. But if you view Byron Buxton as Byron Buxton, Right. The guy who was an all-star last year, the guy who has slugged above 500 the last four years, right. uh, and is a legitimate middle-of-the-order threat when he's rolling, well, then I think that's a much trickier thing, which yeah. is why I think it's not just about how often does he play at DH, it's about can we then sneak a few games a week, or even a couple games a week against lefties, let's say, yeah. uh, in the outfield. But Here's, that's, you know. I'll, I'll be interested in this when he gets you know to the point where he's close. Uh, a, does he do a rehab assignment I've, this time? I've been told... They believe he would go. On, he will go on a rehab assignment. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time. He's got to yeah. be on a rehab assignment. And second of all, where does he play in St. Paul? Right. I mean, that'll be the giveaway. Right. Obviously. Right. That'll be the giveaway. If we end up seeing him roaming right. outfield of St. Paul, we'll have a sense of that. Uh, that's what they're doing. Before we get to the next point, let's talk about our last two sponsors. Starting with BetterHelp. We're both big believers in BetterHelp in terms of. You know, being a system which can help eliminate the barriers for you going and finding therapy or a therapist. It is very hard to come to the conclusion that you need help to talk about this stuff. And the last thing you need is when you finally decide, you woke up that day and said, I'm an, enough of this. Yeah, you don't I, need I, any I, right. speed bumps. Yeah, I'm enough of this. I'm, I'm ready. I need to do this. And then you're like, hold on, how do, we, how do, I, how do I do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, who do I talk to? So better help, right. the way it works is, however you would like to get your help, which is you want to do a video call, they can set that up with a real licensed therapist, typically within you know, 48, 72 hours. If you don't want to be on camera, you can do a phone call. If you don't even want to do a phone call, you can do a, a chat, yeah. uh, a live chat. They will kind of tailor it to your needs or your comfort level. You can talk to a real therapist, uh, and you can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp 
Uh, visit BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Gleeman. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Uh, also, this weekend, Pittsburgh's in town. You don't get to see Pittsburgh very often. You might be thinking, hey, I might like to see the Pirates come to town. Uh, Tommy Olson's working the is the celebrity bartender at Grey Duck. Jack He's a heavy Sunday. pourer. I've I heard been told. That, I think he is a heavy yeah. pourer. <laughs> uh, so grab some tickets, and we like to recommend Game Time as a way for you yes. to grab tickets, especially if you sign up and use the uh, Gleeman uh, Gleeman promo code. The Game Time app. Their specialty is hard to find tickets, and that includes not only sporting events, but like concerts and shows right. and yes, stuff. For sure. But then last minute tickets, too, which comes in handy if you're just sitting at a happy hour yep. or you're sitting at the loon or you're sitting wherever, uh, and you go, yeah, let's go walk over to Target Field. Yeah. You can literally pull up the app on your phone. Bonus has done this. Oh, for sure. And <laughs> as you're walking, you can secure tickets. By the time you get to the gate, you're good right. to go. Yep. Uh, if you download, the Game Time app, you can snag tickets without the stress. You create an account, use the promo code Gleeman for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account, redeem the code Gleeman for $20 off, download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, so just on the um, one last thing on the lineup front, like we've talked about this quite a bit because it's really kind of built and, and more guys keep getting <laughs> right, added yeah, to it, right. the idea that they're being kind of carried by, A, guys who weren't even on the opening day roster, right? and that includes yeah. Kirloff, yeah. but B, yep. rookies. Yeah, and, you know, right. even the guys who aren't rookies are, are, are pretty young. close to rookies. And yeah. unproven guys have proved, right. proven themselves. Now, right. you can look at that two ways. You can say, well, it's a shame that the veterans aren't doing their part. Or uh, you can say- I, I, By the way, I do look yeah. at it that way. <laughs> And that includes Correa, Buxton, right. Vasquez, right. Gallo. Right. Uh, does not include Max Kepler at this point because he's certainly done <laughs> his part right. of late. But or you can look at it, you know, the glass half full way, which is, well, if these veterans yeah. get their stuff together at all, right. then they're kind of joining the party that is already being hosted by these young guys. Right. And beyond that, beyond the next six weeks or the playoffs, it's a pretty great sign for the Twins' future as a right. Lineup, of course, that. You can start to look at Lewis and Walner, Julian certainly, sure. and if they can get and keep Kirilov healthy, he has sure, certainly shown a bunch of signs. And now Ryan Jeffers is back yep. to producing, yep. and they got him under team control yep. at, at for three more years at age 26. And then you even look down the line at, at AAA, and you have right. Brooks Lee there. Right. You have Austin Martin, who's had a resurgence yes. of late. That has been really nice to see. And so it becomes very easy to not just down the stretch this year, but for 2024, 2025, to start to kind of map out right. what the what a lineup would look like. And you just have a lot of really good young hitters with a lot of defensive flexibility. You can very easily build an infield however you want to build it. One of the infielders, probably Lewis or Martin, in my opinion, is going to end up in center field from a skill set and a you know a, a need be, standpoint. Yep. You got Walner in one of the corners, yep. uh, and and maybe Julian ends up at first. Maybe Julian ends up at DH. Maybe Julian sticks at second. Whatever it is, maybe left field. Uh, yeah, they really haven't talked they haven't about really him talked at all. Left yeah. field. Um, but you know you can start to get five or six yeah. pieces there, and then you still, by the way, have Buxton and Correa, uh, and you know you could potentially bring back Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco next year too. And so I think don't lose sight of a how good these young guys are performing and just how fun that is, but also how rare it is to see. It almost reminds me of the early Gardenhire teams where 
they would just be calling up a different, you know, Jock Jones, right. Doug Mankiewicz, right. Corey Kosky, Dustin you know, Moore, Dustin Moore, <laughs> Bobby, yeah, Kilty, Bobby Kilty, right? Like, uh, and then Hunter right. was an existing but still young right. guy, yeah. um, and they would just add one or two pieces a year. It seemed like, yep. and then at the end of it, you just went. Oh, they just have like a core of like six or seven yeah, 26-year-old hitters. Yeah, yeah right. and that you can kind of build this thing out and, and at least plan for it. And the nice thing about all those guys, A, it's always just fun to watch young talent. B, you can kind of dream on them in terms of upside, sure. although I'm here to tell you it's going to be hard for Julian or Walner or Royce Lewis <laughs> right. to like have a career where they perform much better than they have in this small sample. But yeah. uh, And then also they're cheap. And they're under team <laughs> yeah, control yeah, for yeah. a long time yeah. from a planning standpoint. And then you could start to fill in the blanks with, you know, you've already filled it in with Correa and Buxton. Well, that, that was the point I was going to bring up. Is you've, a lot of times you hear from about a team, uh, the, Ret the Rangers are a good recent example, the Padres are a good example, the Phillies a couple years ago were a good example, where they're like, we've got all this young talent that's going to come to the majors, and we want to prepare for that, or we want to start surrounding that young talent with veteran signees, you know, leaders, et cetera, that we want to keep that, you know, we want to keep the, the um, you know, veteran guys around to kind of coach the rookies and also perform, you know, give the example and performance and raise everybody. Because we've got this whole group that's coming up. Well, you know, the Twins didn't, certainly didn't advertise if they were doing that, but it's kind of worked out that way, right? That they ended up signing, you know, Buxton for a long-term deal, Correa to a long-term deal, getting sort of the, the, the Vasquez, I guess, would be another example, right? To, okay, we're going to go out and get some, you know, high-end-ish free agents that, to sort of be the core of this team. And then turns out the youngsters who, for the last couple of years, a lot of these guys have struggled. Like, listen, uh, Royce Lewis has had a great start. Royce Lewis, we kind of thought we'd see him maybe two years ago, right? Because right. he's had the injuries. Kirilov, we kind of been waiting for two year two years on Kirilov, right? Um, Julian's a, a little different story. Walner's a little different story. Those are new guys that came up. But even like Jeffers, Jeffers is another one, right? And it's it's interesting to see how this has come together without that narrative being sort of part of it, right? Where you've got the veterans and you're going to be joined by this this upcoming wave. And now, yeah, you're right. It, there's a it's a lot of. Uh, it's easy to get excited about this team yes. in 2024, 2025, 2026. Don't, don't take for granted. And, and, and pitching, by the, we can take about the pitching side of it, too. I mean, Bailey Ober was somebody who didn't start on the other roster. He's actually, uh, I mean, Joe Ryan, I, I'm still optimistic about, despite his recent uh, you know, strain. Yeah. yeah. On, the, uh, on the pitching front, in the Joe Ryan front, it <laughs> sounds like he's going to make a rehab start uh, maybe this weekend. And then they've pushed back. They used the off days. So they had three off days. They had Monday and then Thursday and then the next Monday off. Right. Which is very uncommon. Right. I mean, the average week you, I think the average <laughs> week you average like 1.2 off days or something like that over the course of a whole schedule, essentially. Yeah, I bet, yeah. So they've basically had three weeks worth of off days in 10 days. But they used that, and we were kind of speculating how they might take advantage of that. What they did was they kept. Lopez, Pablo Lopez, and Sonny Gray on their normal schedule, more or less. Yeah, they each had get one extra day of rest. Right, right. but yeah, they didn't right. uh, elongate the rotation, so they right. bumped Dallas Keuchel from what would have been a Friday start if everyone just stayed on their turn right. to Sunday, right. which then means Lopez and Gray are going to start Friday and tonight, Friday and Saturday. Uh, 
I think that does a few things. One, it just maximizes the number of remaining games that are started by Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez, which is a good thing. Yeah. I also think it lines them up for Cleveland uh, in the upcoming. (laughs) Uh, uh, I have to take a look at that. that Yeah. Secondary. But, But more than that, it very much decreases the likelihood that you would need a fourth start from Dallas Keuchel. Right. Yes. Now, I would argue, <laughs> and I have argued on the Patreon, that I wouldn't even be giving him a third start. I would just have Louis Varlin. But sure. Louis Varlin started last night, so that's not uh, doable anymore, but they you know, they knew that. Uh, I would have just given that spot. After the first two Dallas Keuchel starts, where he got literally zero strikeouts in 36 batters, I've, that's enough. Like, you know, you're only viewing him as a placeholder. It's a nice story. He's a good guy, all that stuff. He's had a great career. But you do have a pretty decent young pitcher in Louis Varlin who's pitching very well of late at AAA and has had some success in the majors. I would have just handed that spot to him. But they decided not to do that. Right. But by juggling the rotation the way they did, A, Keuchel is lined up to start against Pittsburgh. Right. And then it would be – you know, it would require Joe Ryan really not being on the schedule they're hoping him to be on from a rehab standpoint to then need a fourth start right. from Keiko, which would be what next Thursday or something, something like that. that. I mean, that's a, at right, immediately following Keiko's start, they have an off day, then they right. have nine days in a row with games. So, you know, provided they play all each of those, that would put him in the fifth spot on that one. Like, they put, right. it would put either Ryan or Keuchel in the fifth spot on that one, which gets him another day of rest after it. Well, that's true. Right? Yeah. And, um, you yeah. know, I guess I would. And, and, and actually also gets you to September 1st, where you've got, you've got, uh, where you get a roster expansion. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess Dallas Keuchel being in the rotation for two more starts would be my third choice here. <laughs> yes, my first right, choice would right, be Joe yeah. Ryan's able to come back. My second right. choice would be Louis Varlin. My third choice is Dallas Keiko. Now we'll see. I mean, maybe he pitches well against Pittsburgh. It's hardly a fearsome lineup. Uh, maybe he pitches well enough against Pittsburgh on Sunday that you say, oh, he's, he's earned a fourth start. I just, right. it, uh, I've seen enough to just think there's not a whole lot more to tap in there. That's not to say he can't have an outing like he did in his Twins debut where he just sort of wriggles out sure. of trouble and yeah. keeps him in the I game. I mean, it is Pittsburgh, too. Right. You know, it's not, it's not the that. Phillies. You say that. Yeah, but it's not, it ain't the Phillies. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that rotation-wise... Um, obviously, they're hoping that Ryan is able to come back. I know he's been doing a lot of throwing. He threw a bullpen session a couple of days ago, reported that he was fine. So now it's just a matter of him making at least one rehab outing and right. then what they kind of view as his need to make a second one. If they don't, he can just jump right back into the rotation. We'll, we'll see, see how many home runs he gives up. And, uh, well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, <laughs> right. it's one thing to get him healthy. And I do believe that the groin injury is legit. And I do believe that it affected his performance and the things he talked about, kind of not getting that extension fully on his fastball and just not being 100%. But th- it's not like a guarantee that he's just going to go back to what he was right. before the groin, the groin problems. I mean, he pitched through that groin injury right. for weeks and weeks, like yes. made a half dozen starts or yeah. seven starts yeah. or something like that. And so, you know, yes, they, he might rejoin the rotation, but all eyes are going to be on his performance. I mean, right. there's going to be... Yes. Uh, magnified look at his performance and yeah. that is he giving up you know home runs is he able to get swings and misses at the top of the zone is his velocity kind of fluctuating back and forth because um, that's key I mean I don't think he he's no longer really being counted on to make a playoff start 
but that, that can, can change, change in a hurry yeah, yeah, on exactly, both right. sides. Yeah, right. I mean, if Ken Tomato wears down down the stretch, right. or if somebody gets hurt, or if Joe Ryan just pitches like he did in the first two months of the season, yeah, absolutely. he could absolutely jump into that third spot yes. in, the, in the rotation. So that's key, too. Um, there was one other... Yeah, that's probably it on the rotation front. I don't know. We talked about Jeffers a little bit. I wrote about Jeffers this morning, which hopefully people will go read, just kind of how how crazy it's been that 2020, he came up, right. which was two years after they drafted him in the second round, and he when they drafted him, the kind of scouting report on him was he's a bat first, first catcher yeah. to the point that a lot of people thought, well, he'll just be a DH or a first baseman. Right. And the twin, and he also he was not. I think Baseball America ranked him like two hundred ninety fifth, and they drafted him fifty ninth. Right. And at the time, people that raised a lot of eyebrows. It was like they drafted a DH catcher. Right. They thought from day one that we can coach this guy up, and he will very quickly be a good defensive catcher. And they were right about that. Yep. Because uh, he's smart, and he just didn't get a lot of. Intensive catching, well, coaching. He, he in had college. a late start on right. uh, on coach on catching, right? right? Uh, and if we can make that happen and even turn him into an adequate defensive catcher, well, then he's got that bat first. He's got that DH first base right. bat. And sure enough, he reached the majors two years after being drafted in mid twenty twenty or late twenty twenty, and had a pretty good defensive rep at that point in terms of pitch framing. Yep. Didn't have a strong arm, but he, he was a, a quality defender at least, right. and he hit well in you know twenty five games. To the point that it was like, well, he's 23, he's a second-round pick, he looks pretty good on both sides of the ball, he's going to be their everyday, or you know, their primary catcher now for the next five years. Right. But then he struggled in 2021, yep. and then he struggled last year and also missed significant also time a with a, time. a yep. fractured thumb, right. and that those back-to-back kind of rough years convinced the Twins... Well, we can no longer really count on him as the number one catcher. We need a backup plan at least, right. or maybe not even a backup plan. So they plan went out right. and they signed Christian Vasquez, who's been a starter on two World Series teams, or on one, I guess he was backup on Houston. But he's been a starting catcher for the Red Sox for most of the last decade. Very good defensive rep, good veteran guy, adds a little bit as a hitter, or did at least. And they signed. They paid a premium for him. Three-year deal for a 32-year-old catcher, uh, three-year $30 million is that's significant. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that there were a bunch of teams, you know, six or seven teams that were offering him $10 million a year for two years as a free agent. Right. And so them the third year giving him the key. third year right. yes. um, is what got it. And that, I thought, might have made Jeffers a trade candidate. Instead, they just bumped him to the secondary role. And early in the season, it was basically two-thirds Vasquez, one-third Jeffers, and they tried to make most of that one-third for Jeffers be against left-handed pitching because previously in his career, he did pretty well against lefties and hit like 185 against righties. But a funny thing happened there, which is Vasquez has been pretty bad all year offensively and has not, I don't think he's been bad defensively, but he's not really shined defensively. Uh, And, you know, catchers age two on both sides (laughs) of the ball. That happens. Uh, and then meanwhile, every time Jeffers was given an opportunity, he produced. And he was throwing guys out much better than he had in the past. Yeah. And he was getting a lot of good comments from pitchers in terms of his pitch calling and his preparation. And he was doing all that without, I mean, we kind of expected him to get some at-bats at DH. That was no longer an avenue for him. So he really needed to make the most of the opportunities that he had in the catching position. And, and so gradually, has. the two-thirds, one-third split in Vasquez's favor kind of morphed into essentially 50-50. just alternating right. starts. Yeah. And then of late, it's been alternating starts, and Jeffers has gotten some work at DH to right. try to keep his bat in the lineup. And 
I mean, his production has just risen with more playing time, basically. Yep. Yep. And he leads all American League catchers in OPS. He leads the Twins position player group in wins above replacement. And he ranks 12th on the team in plate appearances while doing right. that. Yeah. And yeah. so that's a guy who's screaming for more playing time. I don't know that he's going to get much more than 50-50, right. especially once Buxton comes back and eliminates some of those DH uh, at-bats. Right. But, I mean, I certainly think he's deserved – I mean, he's outplayed Vasquez on both sides of the ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so the argument for playing Vasquez on a given day when it's not, you know, just to give Jeffers rest, you know, I really think it should be flipped from what it was in the beginning of the season, which is two-thirds Jeffers, one-third yeah. Vasquez, yeah. or, you know, 60-40 at least. Uh, but, it, I mean, they haven't quite gotten to that They haven't point. embraced that completely. Right. right. But yeah. I wonder if they will down the stretch, particularly if and when Buxton and Kirilov come back, and the DH spot isn't a way to get Jeffers extra at bats. But I, mean, I, w- I wonder if that. He, here's what'll be interesting to see: what happens versus Texas and Cleveland, especially Cleveland. The games that really, really the games matter, that yeah. really matter. Right. When uh, you know who's got the who's in the lineup for that three game set versus Cleveland? I bet you twice it's Jeffers and once it's Vasquez. Yeah, I mean that's certainly what I would do, and I mean I think. We'll see. It's just hard to argue otherwise, and, right. that, and that's not necessarily a huge knock against Vasquez, although he hasn't performed as well uh, as they were hoping, but it's just a credit to Jeffers, who right. a lot of guys, if they're kind of the catcher of the future, and then all of a sudden they have a couple bad years, and the team goes out and signs a you know known commodity veteran for $10 million a year for three years. They can a little bit. I, I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah. and he did the exact opposite, which was he overhauled his swing mechanics which I wrote about today, and he really worked yeah. on his throwing yep. to get to the point that he can at least be adequate as a thrower, and he's thrown out, I don't know, 29% of runners, which the league average now is about 20 yeah. with the increased right. rules yeah. Uh, yeah. boosting steals. So, I mean, he's been very good, and I, I know I've tried to talk to a lot of pitchers after they've been paired with Jeffers to get a sense of, like, how do they view him defensively beyond just throwing? And calling a game. Throw and calling a game. game. Yeah. Maeda has really credited him with the game calling in terms of, like, the, the game theory of keeping hitters guessing, right. keeping them off balance, especially for a guy like Maeda who throws, like, five different pitches. Yeah. You know, which pitch you call for in that spot can be key. Yep. It's not so key when it's, you know, a guy who throws two pitches. And then the other thing, Pablo Lopez had some really good comments, I thought, about Jeffers – like preparation, like, and that if you've talked to Ryan Jeffers, there are two things that are apparent. <laughs> One is the guy likes to talk. <laughs> yes. Whether it's talking shop about baseball or sure. it's just talking. Right. I mean, he's yes. he got the gift of gab for sure. Yeah, yep. But also he's super smart and he's not smart in like a nerdy way. He's just smart in that if you have more than like a two minute conversation, you'll just realize, oh, this guy's like, yeah, this guy's smart. And his background, the first time I ever talked to Ryan Jeffers was like the first week of spring training 2020. I was new on the job. He was had not played in the majors, so he right, was yeah, right, new in camp. Right, yeah. And I went up to him because I like to profile prospects in spring training. And I just sort of started talking to him. And, you know, within five minutes, he's basically teaching me stuff about the data and analytics and the force plate system that they're right, using. Yeah, right, and, yeah. then, and then about a minute after that, he's telling me, well, you know, I was a physics major at UNC Wilmington. I wanted to get an engineering degree, but they didn't offer it. I really wanted to go into aerospace and work for Boeing as like a defense <laughs> contractor. And I'm like, okay, this all makes sense now because <laughs> right, yes. I'm a nerd yes. and you're way above my head with what right. the stuff you're talking about. And yeah. you're 22 years old here. He's a STEM guy. Yeah. He's definitely <laughs> yeah, like a, yeah. he's a, he, he's a guy I think who probably enjoys the homework aspect yeah. of being a yeah, catcher. Probably. And by the way, Lopez 
is the smartest guy on the team. He <laughs> got approved, Pablo Lopez, got approved from medical school when he was 16, and you can talk to him for a minute and you'll realize how smart he is. By the way, in a second language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, right, uh, and it doesn't surprise me then that, A, he's been paired with Jeffers 12 times this year, and he has a 287 ERA with Jeffers as his uh, battery mate. But then it doesn't surprise me that when you ask Lopez what does Jeffers do well, the thing he really spotlights is the homework, preparation, the preparation, yeah, yeah. the game planning, the ability to kind of remember our patterns so that we can break them against hitters and that sort of thing. And so all, and that's not to say Vasquez doesn't do that well. I mean, right. Vasquez is only in the league because he does that well for the last ten years. Right. So don't yes. get me wrong there. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Um, right. Yes. But it's I mean, that, that's what Vasquez is known for. Right. For the most, exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, Vasquez right. didn't get right. thirty million for his bat. Yeah, exactly. Now they thought he'd be right. better offensively than right. he's been, but you know, uh, and so. The fact that Jeffers is 26 and he's got an eight, I don't know, 875 OPS, right. he's, incre- he's increased his production as the playing time has increased. He's become a very competent thrower. He's always gotten pretty good reviews for kind of the unquantifiable aspects of catching, the pitch calling, the game management, the preparation and all that. And he's 26 and he's not even arbitration eligible right. until next year. Right. So he's got three more years. And so then the question becomes for me, at catcher is how much is he going to play down the stretch? Like you said, I think when push comes to shove, he is going to start more of the important games I than, than Vasquez. So. Uh, but especially they're both right-handed, so there isn't really right. even a platoon. Well, there's also that you're you also playing up. you know seven games. You're playing basically fourteen games in a row versus Texas well, like, true, Cleveland. Yeah. Like I don't know how much how true. much there isn't going to be a fair amount of back and forth. Probably. But then beyond that, then the question to me becomes, and I sort of think this plays into their decision with the stretch run playing time, which is. The more you see Jeffers play, like if they do go to a two-thirds Jeffers, one-third Vasquez, that could just be we're putting the guy out on a given day that we think is the best, like you said. But at some point, if that really swings in Jeffers' favor, I think it's a signal that they no longer view Vasquez as kind of atop the depth chart for the next two years. So then the question becomes, and this is cart before the horse, obviously, but then the question becomes – how much of a two-year, $20 million right. commitment, yep. which is what would be remaining after this year, yep. would you have to kind of eat to move him? And I, Vasquez has not been good. I mean, he's been essentially the, their worst hitter all season. His throwing has slipped a little bit. I think his other defensive metrics have been just fine. I mean, I still think he's a you know, he's a low-end starter now instead of kind of an average sure. starter now, oh, yeah, I would yeah. say. I would agree. But given how desperate even good teams are for catching help, you know there's going to be some team – that views a two million, a two-year, twenty million dollar deal with Vasquez as well not ideal. Something that if Reasonable. the Twins were to eat a third of that, let's say, yeah. then it's you know what he might get as a free agent anyway. Dude, he's thirty-two years old. Right. Like he's not. He's not thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six years old. Right. So then my question becomes: After this season, are you a confident enough in what you've seen from Jeffers this year that he's kind of? legit now that the changes he's made to his swing and his throwing are going to stick and if you are well then 10 million a year for Vasquez to play as a backup role is too much money and not enough playing time for him and here's the other thing they have a guy named Jer Camargo who's 24 years old at AAA very good defender with a very strong arm one of the strongest arms they've had and he's going to end up with 20 homers in back-to-back years. He's kind of a short, squat, right-handed hitter who swings at everything and has some good pop. And to me, skill set-wise, he's an ideal backup. Right. And honestly, might have upside as kind of a low-end starter himself. And so if you could move on in some way for Vasquez, 
without having to eat the majority of that contract. I actually think you could feel somewhat comfortable going in the next season with Jeffers as your two thirds guy and Jair Camargo as your one third guy. Yeah. And you know maybe they want to sign you know a, a Sandy Leone type as the third catcher <laughs> right, just in case like or yeah. something to have in the organization. Right. But they're in a they're in a good spot at catcher now long term. But in the exact opposite way, we kind of thought they'd be in a good spot after they had signed signed Vasquez. I also wouldn't shock me if they decide, you know what, let's uh, let's play it back again, see sure. if uh, see if Vasquez ends up bouncing back a little bit from what was a, a down year. You know, just the way he's throwing people out at at uh, you know, trying to steal bases makes me wonder a little bit about some of the health aspects that he might be facing in, in during this year. So, you know, uh, listen, if they end up, bottom line is it's just nice to get good production from a place you don't right. get good production and I I if they don't want to screw with it that's fine with me too so yeah well they're going to need the 10 mil well I mean, they might they're at a spot where yes they got some young guys who are cheap but if you look ahead to next year particularly if they're going to bring back guys like Polanco and Kepler which I think they're probably trending towards yeah, that. I probably. Mean, yeah, I'll believe, right, yeah, right. Uh, I'll believe they're going to bring back Kepler until proven otherwise <laughs> at this point uh, in time. And he's, you know, he's performed like a, right. certainly a $10 million player, which is his option for next year. Uh, you know, they're going to be strapped for, for payroll space unless they're going to dramatically up the payroll. And I, I think that's probably pretty unlikely. This is a topic for another day, but given the television situation, yeah, if anything, yep. I could see them potentially dropping the payroll because of the uncertainty surrounding local television revenue past this year once that contract with we'll with see Dally it. well i think i think how they do in the postseason probably has something to well, do with it as well too so true they feel uh, they're close let's see okay so just to finish up here a couple other things um i don't know bullpen we already talked a little bit about duran we've talked about duran in the past uh, 96 hours more than we need to probably <laughs> right, yeah. uh you know he's been regardless of what pitch you think is being thrown too much or too yeah. little or what's uh, the damage has mostly come on the fastball, but uh, just in general, he's been not as crisp of late. The fastball velocity is much more often 101 or 102 instead yeah. of 103, 104, which right. I realize that sounds silly to be obsessive <laughs> about that, but it <laughs> right, does yeah. matter. Um, and, you know, I don't think he's been horrible by any means. I do think there's been some batting average on balls in play, bad luck against him, but he's given up more homers than he has before. I think, you know... He's falling behind in the count a little more than he used to, yeah. too. I think, that he, I think the curveball has trouble throwing for a strike sometimes, and sometimes it's not a not competitive pitch. It's in the dirt. Uh, the splitter itself has hurt him as well uh, in but some of those things. most of the things. damage is on the fastball. I mean, they're rocking his fastball lately. Well, they are, they're hitting the fastball, but he's missing. He's falling behind in the counts, I think, on the other stuff. So, Then the other part that's bad, and we saw this play out during the Tiger series, is Griffin Jacks has had a great stretch in the middle of the year. I mean, he struggled a lot early with a lot of weird, fluky, bad stuff happening to him. Yeah. Then in the middle of the year, he put together like 25 outings in a row where he, I think he allowed one run. And then of late, he struggled. He gave up two homers yeah. against Detroit back-to-back -back yeah. after giving up a grand total of two homers through that point of the season in like 50 innings. Yeah, I didn't know how much to make of that. It was like, is it something off with him? Or he was also close to the 25, 26 pitch mark or something when a, a, both of those happened. And then that wind blowing in target field on Wednesday was just so weird to left field. But, so they've so. gotten Theobar back, who's jumped into a highish leverage mix, and he's been fine, although he hasn't been used that much. Uh, yeah. Th part of... That issue on the game they lost on the last game of the Tiger series was Theobar had would be pitching if they had used him that day. 
for the third time in four days right. about a week after coming off the IL right. as a 36 year old. And so right. they didn't want to do that. And yeah. so then their usage, I don't know how they were going to, I don't know. They're going to win that game either. Yeah. Even <laughs> if Jack's pitch is a clean right. inning. Yeah. They were either going to have to use Duran for two, two innings or I don't after know. After pitching the night before. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which they are very no. hesitant to do is particularly right. he hasn't been that sharp. Like we just said anyway. So yeah. I don't know why you're trying to stretch him out. Right. Uh, so Theobar's back, which will help. They're going to lean on him more and more, I think. And then the the real thing that's been the biggest change from a positive standpoint in the bullpen has been Pagan, right? Uh, yes. Which Dan Hayes wrote about a couple of days ago. He's throwing harder. He's you know blowing people away with the fastball. He's not getting punished on mistakes nearly as much as he was last season. Yeah, John's knocking. I think that's wood, unfortunately. <laughs> um, whatever this desk is that we're sitting at, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, for Micah or something. <laughs> um, but we've also seen then, you know, Duran has not been as reliable. Jax has not been as reliable. Blake Stewart's nowhere to be seen. Blake, Brock Stewart is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, right. And I would not bet on him pitching again this season. I don't think it's been ruled out by any means, but that's not imminent. Floro's been... And then, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you know, when they added Dylan Floro... For Jorge Lopez, who, by the way, Lopez just had a horrible outing for uh, uh, Miami, I just saw. Um, but when they added Dylan Floro, you know, he's been a closer for Miami. He's been a setup man for Miami. I wouldn't call him a high-leverage late-inning guy necessarily from a stuff standpoint, but he's been a medium-to-high-leverage guy pretty much throughout his career, and he's had success. seventh-inning guy. They yeah. really have not used him in that type of role at all. He's been more low-leverage, fifth- or sixth-inning uh, you know, kind of not game out of reach, but game not in the balance type I've, of guy. I've been surprised how early they, they brought yeah. him in on a couple of things. And, you know, maybe it's just they don't trust him because he hasn't been there, but right. they're going to have to get some innings from someone in spots that matter, whether it's him or Balzavik, who's kind of cooled off a little bit and been used in lower leverage, which, you know, that was probably bound to happen. Yep. Because the only other two guys in the bullpen that we haven't mentioned in the last 90 seconds are Winder and Cole Sands. <laughs> right, yeah. And they won't even use Cole Sands. Like, he just sits out there. Like, I, I pitch as much as Cole Sands, which is strange to me. But yeah. And Winder, I, I don't know what to make of Josh Winder because I really thought when Winder last year had a few outings, even as a starter, where you thought, all right, it's coming together. I see the, the promise. But he just did not miss enough bats, and he got hit pretty hard. And then he had some sh more shoulder problems, which he's had throughout his career. And I just thought, all right, well, they're just going to move him to the bullpen. He's going to go fastball slider. And, you know, he potentially will be like a seventh inning or, guy. Or more likely slider fastball. Well, right. <laughs> right. That's, yes. that's the thing about His slider, slider right. gets – I mean, his fastball right. gets rocked despite pretty good velocity. Right. Um, instead, they've kept him more as a multi-inning reliever. And he's had some good moments. He pitched four innings of one-run yeah. ball in a key spot yeah, right. a couple home stands ago. But yep. for the most part – He's just been kind of a, a placeholder, like yeah. a space filler. Yep. And that is not really what I expected out of him. I'm not saying I expected him to be great by any means, but I didn't expect him to just be Cole Sands, Brent Hedrick, yeah. you know, just kind of long man who gets sent up and down all year, just kind of innings eating from the bullpen. And, you know, maybe that ultimately is going to be his role, which would be disappointing given where he was a couple of years ago as a prospect. But I still would like to see him. I'd actually like to see them try this at AAA for a while, but right. a pure one inning, even middle relief guy, not worrying about staying stretched out, not worrying about facing guys more than once. Just a you come in and you throw as hard as you can, fastball slider, or like you said, slider fastball. And I just feel like we haven't 
seen that good or bad enough to pass judgment, but their usage of him suggests they just don't think there's there's a there there. Do you I, know what I mean? I haven't paid enough attention to sort of what he's doing or compared to stuff like that. He started this year on the IL, right? right? I mean, he started, I mean, he's had a right, lot right, of shoulder He's had problems. a lot of shoulder issues throughout his career. I mean, it's been the story of his last yeah. few years. I mean, other than, you know, a brief flash of, holy cow, we might have a real starter here. Uh, what was the beginning of last year? Was that the beginning of 2022? I can't, or 2023, I can't, or 2021, I can't even remember last which year. one it was. No, last year right? it was. Uh, you know, I, at this point, I'm just sort of like, I don't expect him to be a high, I don't right. know, I, I picture him as a high-end reliever in part because I have trouble seeing that from from slider first guys most of the time. I mean, I guess you can, Plenty of guys have figured that out and been able to do that. I don't know the winder. I, I never got that impression with him. Well, I don't know. And, I mean, and, look, and, and coming back from the just spending the first, it feels like their goal mostly with winder is to figure out how to keep him healthy for six months. At this point, right. you know, I guess. But I mean, a lot of relievers are slider first guys. Right, the, right, the problem yes, is right. if his fastball, which velocity wise is fine, right, he just gets no swings and misses on it at all. It just yeah. gets hit, and yeah. that. I don't know how you fix that. I mean, I mean maybe, maybe you he disguise goes, it a little bit better right. than they are. Right. I mean, he's never going to succeed. If you can't avoid getting crushed with your fastball, right. it doesn't matter if you're starter or reliever. I mean, you need to at least have a viable fastball that you can throw for strikes and you can get some swings and misses on. And I, I mean, I don't know. I saw something the other day. I'd have to look. But I, I, he's at like 8% whiff rate on swings <laughs> on his fastball. And just so people know, like a good whiff rate is like 30%, right. 35%. Now, fastballs are a little lower because they tend to get put in play. But uh, So, yeah. And then, otherwise, in the bullpen, I mean, this is why we were both saying, why did they not trade for a decent reliever or two other than Flora? Yes, right. Because Jorge Lopez, they whiffed on pretty right. badly, yep. obviously. Uh, Moran is not trusted, and they were counting on him taking a step nope. forward this year, obviously. De Leon, who they signed off the scrap heap, had some nice moments. And if you had told me in May, hey, in August, he's actually going to be a, a reliable guy, I would have believed it, except he blew out his yep. arm and he's yep. out for the year. Stewart. And then Al Cal- uh, Stewart, who right. was probably their best reliever right. at times, is a big question mark to return. Alcala has never reemerged basically right. in two years. Right. And, and there's really not, I mean, we talked about all the different, Options they have at Triple A, whether it's uh, you know Varlin sitting there to be waiting for the right. rotation, or you know guys uh, waiting to be in the lineup, they just don't have that in the relief ranks, right. which is again why we were so baffled by their inaction at the deadline. Which is part of when we talk about like the playoff rotation, why Maeda's ability to shift to the bullpen is yep. a factor, yep. and I honestly, if they're not going to use Varlin. To start in place of Keuchel, <laughs> right? Yeah, and if Joe Ryan returns soon enough that that fifth spot is full anyway, yeah. down the stretch, I would just be very tempted. And I say this having watched his brother Gus Varlin come in <laughs> right. and make his Dodgers debut uh, a couple nights ago, throwing. I mean, first of all, they look identical to each other. Like the same <laughs> right, mannerism, yeah, right. same delivery, same kind of short arm, ninety-seven mile an hour fling. Uh, delivery, and he's just a pure reliever because he had some control issues in the minors. And I, I don't even who knows what kind of career Gus Varlin's going to have. But it did. I did think, well, Louis from a velocity standpoint is very good as a starter. Right. Louis's difficulty becomes, you know, command within the zone, off speed stuff, kind of being able to mix up pitches beyond his fastball. And what gets him in trouble is he'll leave one over the plate, or just from a pitch mix standpoint, he he doesn't have good enough off speed. 
and he gives up homers. Well, right. plenty of relievers with good stuff yeah. who give up homers as starters shift to the bullpen, and it's a complete game changer because now right. you can focus on one off-speed pitch. You don't have to pace yourself. You don't have to kind of do the game theory of, well, I'll start him off with fastballs. You, you get, just throw you smoke. Tick or, tick, tick or two up on well, your fastball. And that's the other thing. I mean, he's throwing 95, 96 pretty consistently, Louis Varlin. Right. As a starter, could he be 97, 98 right. with one breaking ball essentially as a That would be reliever. something I kind of am interested in. My, I mean, because that it might be their only remaining option at this point right. is sort of, you know, what – do the, does it become all hands on deck a little bit right. when it comes to the bullpen? You know, like who, I don't particularly care who what everybody's long term role is Agreed. at this point. Maybe we just got to find some guys. To, yeah, I mean, to carry us through the. He would not be the first good young starter to be used as a reliever in August and September, and then just go right back to starting. I mean, there's nothing that would preclude him from entering spring training as a starter, and in fact, this would be a way to kind of limit his innings and everything. So, I guess my. I have if they are worried about Joe Ryan, or they think and or they think they're going to ditch Dallas Keuchel soon if Joe Ryan is not able to go, then I have no problem leaving Louis Varlin as a starter because you would actually need him as a starter. But right. at the point at which it's September, when there's only five starts for each guy left to make anyway, and your bullpen is struggling more than your rotation, and hopefully Joe Ryan is starting every fifth day, then it's like, well, is he is Louis Varlin doing us better? Starting games at AAA and remaining a break glass in case of emergency option as a starter, or could he actually help us in the bullpen? And I just think it's increasingly, it's going to become increasingly difficult not to make the argument that just from a pure stuff standpoint, yeah. he wouldn't be one of their yep. better relievers. So yep. I, that's something to watch too. And then the other thing we didn't even mention, Correa has sat out twice now, <laughs> despite the fact that there's a million off days. Right. So they've tried to kind of double up the off days for yeah. him. So he essentially had four days off with right the now. plantar fasciitis heel problem. And we talked a couple episodes ago because I had written about Correa's kind of season long struggles. And something we preach on the show all the time is when a a very good player suddenly just sees their performance plummet. Especially when they're 28 years old. Right. In their prime. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and Not I wrote all, all about how rare it is for a guy to just lose 100 points of OPS at age 28 right. or whatever. More often than not, it's either revealed in the moment or after the season, oh yeah, this guy was playing through fill-in-the-blank injury. And in this case, we know the injury. <laughs> We've um, known about it for months. The yeah, whole season, right. essentially. Yeah, right. I mean, pretty early. And he's played... You know, he's been remarkably durable for a guy who's had plantar fasciitis right. for yeah. four months. But there are moments, like the infield single he beat out, yes. where you watch it and you go, well, that was a key single. I mean, right. him yep. hauling ass yep. on that was, important. was big yeah, for right. them. Yep. And I give him credit for doing that, knowing probably in the back of his mind, yeah, this isn't going to feel good. <laughs> and in <laughs> right, fact, yeah. he... he aggravated the, the right. and then ended up sitting the next game. You know, was it worth it to do that? Would you rather have a guy just jog to first base at all times? That's a maybe a topic for another day. But clearly <laughs> they're trying now to manage around it and get his maximize the off days so that he doesn't have to take a week off. Maybe he right. can take one game off plus a scheduled off day and that gets him two days off and all that. But I, I just he he he's not going to admit it. And he may not even <laughs> feel this like it's possible right. to say well yeah my foot's been killing me all year but you know that doesn't have an effect and we'll never know i mean there's some subjectivity to that but it, it's become uh, the longer he goes without really breaking through here right. and having like a sustained period of of strong performance like we saw from him last year down the stretch 
the more it just seems, you know, I love to say Occam's razor on this yeah. show, but it more it just seems very obvious that well, yeah, of course the the foot that he's been dealing or the heel problem has been an issue, and which I, is also one of the reasons why it becomes more and more important that when they've got opportunities like they have you know, this weekend versus Pittsburgh yeah. or in the next two weeks when they're facing Cleveland yes. that they make some hay because this is a team that could probably use a little recovery time in the second half in the same way that Buxton's getting, you know, yes, he's out for a hamstring injury. I don't doubt that he's got a hamstring injury. That's not what I'm saying. But on top of that, I just wouldn't mind Buxton getting, you know, a couple of weeks of R&R, <laughs> you know? Yes. So. I mean, you want to win the division however you can win the division. And right. Obviously, it's not some great. Let's build a lead. <laughs> great analysis to say they should try to win by as many games as right, possible. Right. But I do think this particular team in this particular season would really benefit right. from not having to put their A lineups out right. there in against Oakland and then in Colorado right. yeah, to end exactly the season. Right. Yeah, like right. if you can pull an eighty-seven Twins right. and just lose or win in the final games, and not have it matter, and they're in position to potentially do that. Right. Like there's no reason why. They should have a lead of fewer than three or four games with a week to play. Like, you know, you should be in a position where if Carlos Correa wants to take the last three games of the season off and Byron Buxton and whoever it is, or or you want to not start Kenta Maeda in the last series of the season, you want to save him. They absolutely should be in position to do that, except we have 30 episodes right, of this yeah, podcast yeah. about this very team right, yeah. where we go, oh, well, they should have done that, but they didn't do yeah, that. So. So, yeah. uh, thank you very much to our sponsors, Soda Stick, Rotowire, BetterHelp, and Game Him. Special thanks to Marnie Geldner for sticking around for the first yeah. uh, 10 to 15 minutes of the year, maybe 15 to 20 minutes of the podcast to talk to us about the initial game. She loves talking about the initial game. She gets so excited about I it. I think she, she just loves us. She, well, We're a very that's charming probably, duo. That's probably true. Women across the Twin Cities have been she, saying that for years. She is remarkably competitive about uh, yeah. about that game, so I think she watches She enjoys seeing other people be super competitive about that that's game. That's right? uh, Thank you to all of you that listened to 15 to 20 minutes of initial talk at yeah. the beginning of the podcast. We appreciate yep. it. And for those of you that came here for the initials podcast, uh, thank you for uh, listening to the last hour and a half of Twin Stock. That's right. There's something <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will be back uh, Monday with a Patreon episode where we'll cover the Pittsburgh series and then probably a preview of the Texas and uh, Cleveland yes. uh, homestand. Patreon.com P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash Cleveland. Join us for this stretch run. Yeah. 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 I can tell you one thing. It's definitely going to be interesting. That's right. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Even.